time for another episode of our podcast. Do we want to call them episodes, or can we just call them log entries? Ugh. <laughs> or, or, or chapters. I would much prefer chapter to a log entry, because last I checked, I'm not Shatner on the Enterprise. You said you had to be Shatner, you could have been Janeway. I don't Star Trek, man. It's not on my, not on my radar. It's all right. It's all right. So let's start this week off with something fun, shall we? I like fun. You know, our Roughnecks are 3-0. I know. That is fun. Super excited about that. Right? I mean, we're 3-0, and Dallas isn't. Suck it, Dallas. <laughs> I mean, Dallas may be 2-1, but they're not 3-0 like the Roughnecks who were first place in the XFL West. Man, that's so weird to say. The XFL West? Even okay. though we're like in the smack dab of the fucking middle. Well, I mean, to be on the East, you gotta be on the other side of the Mississippi River, remember? It makes the East really small. Well, I mean, it's small, but it's got character. Well, like, if you look at it, the East, all the states, it's like, we started They're off, super right? Tiny. We started off with tiny states, and then as we went West, we're like, eh, fuck it, this ends here. <laughs> we're, like, have we're... you seen the shape of Texas? They're like, eh. This is close enough. Give it a top hat. It's fine. Well, honestly, I think what it was is just like, they're like, all right, that's it. I'm not walking any further, so we're going to stay here. And then people just did that in like all points of directions, and then they're like, okay, fine. Like, you walked this, you could have it, because driving through Texas, top to bottom, sucked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Multiple yeah. times. Even driving through Illinois, top to bottom, which is way longer than it is, you know, mm-hmm. width-wise, driving you know, west to, west to east, or east to west, through Illinois. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. That's like driving through Houston. <laughs> but driving from the top to the bottom, and then having to drive from the top to the bottom of Texas. Lord, don't do it, guys. So, no, don't. Going from the top to the bottom of Texas, no fun. Scenery changes, kind of. I mean, honestly... It gets from flat to trees that are still flat. It's so flat here. It's super. Honestly, though, I think the moral of the story is, is just... Don't no. go to Dallas. Don't don't go to Dallas because gross. It's yeah. Dallas. So speaking of the XFL in Dallas, let's talk about the scores from last week, shall we? Because I actually did some research. We did something. So the Houston Roughnecks beat the Tampa Bay Vipers, thirty-four to twenty-seven in Tampa Bay. That means Tampa Bay, this team in the XFL at this point, <laughs> Florida. I, I mean. They don't have enough Florida men on their team, so they're not, like, roided out on meth and alligator. Right. So, other scores. Dallas beat the Dallas Renegades. Beat the Seattle Dragons 24-12. to Woo! Bringing Dallas to the aforementioned 2-1-1 and in Seattle down to 1-2. and St. Louis beat New York 29-9. to See, now that's a better... That's the score discrepancy that like I've been looking for especially because like after like our first the first couple weeks of the XFL where people were getting blown out of the water it's good to know that other teams are learning how to play the game but I like seeing people get spanked I do too but that makes St. Louis 2-1 and one, and New York is 1-2 and two. and finally we had some XFL records set in this final game <gasps> what? in the third week of this upstart league Seattle scored the most points ever in an XFL game up to that point at 39. Woot woot. They beat DC 39 to 9. 
Yeah, that's that ass whooping. LA gets their first win of the season. Yay. And DC got their first loss of the season. Moving into standings in the East, St. Louis leads with DC is in second, New York in third, and Tampa Bay's back there taking up that space in the ass. Well, I mean, someone's gotta, someone's gotta be there, so it might as well, it might as well be Florida because why wouldn't it be Florida? And in the West, Houston one, Dallas two, LA three, Seattle four. This week we may see in week four you have a Houston Dallas matchup. May see that change, may not. We'll see. One thing I'll spoil for for next week's XFL chats, because some of the games have happened, some of them haven't when we're recording, and are in described time. And I don't think you saw that the uh, a ref threw a flag at a player. The like, player caught it and threw it back at the ref, and then got, got hit with unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> Fuck your flag! <laughs> he, he threw it at him for some, I can't remember what the penalty was, but he threw it. The player caught it, looked at the ref, he's like, yeah, fuck your flag. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. In the, XF, in the NFL, they'll get used to it. See, I mean, I like, okay, so there are a couple things with the XFL that I really so far from the little bits and blurbs that I I've been really watching. I really like the kickoff. The, the kickoff is great. I, I honestly like that we're able to hear the refs debating on their calls or like talking through the calls and like not so much of like where like the NFL where you basically just get to listen to shitty ass commentators like speculate about what the refs are saying and like you kind of have to wait for all of that stuff where here we actually get like the yeah the why of why they're mm-hmm. saying and okay. it's just, it's nicer mm-hmm. for me. I haven't watched an XFL game on the TV. I, I have lived to them all. Oh there you go. Because our local Houston Roughnecks are on our local ESPN stage. And that radio voice is so much better than whoever the hell they have calling the game for them, trust me. Oh, I know. You want the local. No, I know, I know I want the local. But, but from but, all the little snippets that I've watched. I've seen some, like, I've seen, the, like, the in-game interviews they do, and that's cool. I like some of those to bring it personal. But some of the pace of play things are what I like. The play clock doesn't run until after a certain amount of, after a certain amount of time, the game clock doesn't start until there's 25 seconds left on the game clock, so you can't run out the clock. Mm-hmm. There's no kicks. There is no one point after touch kick that's basically a gimme point. It's no, you run a one, two, or three point play. Yep, you you figure out what type of strategy you're running, and either way, you're fucking running. (laughs) But all of that being said, I'm making a bold prediction right now. Okay. Houston, Tampa Bay. That's going to be your XFL championship. Wow. Really, you're gonna you're gonna put your money on Florida? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it now. I think that's gonna be your championship. And I'm gonna say Houston and St. Louis. Okay. Because I want all of our Houston roughnecks and our our Southern like strap strap up your boots and get to work versus a bunch of tech boys like. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather it see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna call it Houston versus Tampa Bay because mm-hmm. I like that long shot of Tampa Bay. But it'd be fun to see Houston and DC. Houston and DC would be a fun one. I think they will make for a good playoff game. I don't know if they would play in the playoffs because you'll have West, West, East, East. I get well. I- it's hard because there are only so many teams, too, so it's really hard to well, figure out so what type of... What I understand is that since there's only eight teams, only two teams in each league make the playoffs, the one and two. Mm-hmm. So they each have a game, and then there's the champion. Okay. So essentially, it could be Houston, Dallas, and, like, D.C. Tampa. That would be how it would look. 
But moving on, we've got some other things to talk about. We have a lot. We move into the headlines. We, yeah. <laughs> I know. We have a lot to cover because some things have happened. We've done some things. We're starting a rating system. Yes, we okay. we have finally narrowed it down. There's burgers out of hot dogs, or dark gashers out of fairy dust, or some players out of bear claws. No, 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 no. Uh, or any, any of, of the other dumb shit that's come out of our mouths. Now you'll have the official thing, dice rating system. Dun, da, da, da. So you may be asking, what's a dice rating system? And no, it's not me sitting here rolling dice on my desk. Even though that ASMR would be lovely. <laughs> Instead, it's a rating system based on dice. You'll have ratings of a D. Critical fail, it is something that's absolutely horrible. Okay. Or as I like to call it, Dragon Ball Evolution, the rating. Oof. <laughs> it was a low blow, but D6. deserved. D6. It's <laughs> the best way to put it. D6 isn't... It's a, it's our first pharaoh noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> D8 is... Yeah. That's eight. Yeah. Uh, That's eight. I'd give... Yeah, I guess I'd go... D8 would be acceptable. It's... It's a solid D. It'll get you your degree. D's get degrees. A D10 is a good rating. Meaning, hey, from here, yeah, I, I tell you to go ahead and watch it. Okay. This a is D12. D12 is really good. It's great. It is the bee's knees and spectacular, but a D20? It's fucking mint. <laughs> that is a crit success. It's mint. It's cherry. It is cake. That's the sauce right there. It is Hunter's episode one. I mean, oh. more on that later. Ooh. Ooh, we got thoughts. We got feelings. This series could be really good or really bad, but we only have one episode, and that comes toward the end of the podcast. Stick around. We have a lot to get through. We have a long episode for you guys this week. It's We're exciting. Kind of doing a general chat to start it off, which is different for us, too. I know. We, we, we've kind of got a whole bunch of... Little this, snippets we had to catch up on. I mean, is this what seeing OPEC did to us? We saw them just kind of casually chat with their fans, so we're just kind of casually chatting into a microphone because we can? I mean, that's, oh, yeah, that's really the premise. Attitude. That's really the premise of a Let's Talk, like, if we're being honest with one another, is... Is a Let's talk. talk just a concert without music? Yes. I think so. Like, what we do is just that thing when the band's on stage or two songs trying to kill some space. And that's like, what we're doing right now. Dick only. around with each other. <laughs> Only we're killing an hour to two hours a time. You know, just longer conversations. You know, those things that you're supposed to be able to have with people, but for some reason you just can't. All right. Speaking of D20, that would be that Opeth concert as well. Oh, that Opeth. Okay, guys. So We saw Opeth on a whim. We, we did see. It was a very last minute. For me, very, very last minute. Yeah, it? like his within like the hour. Mine was at least like maybe a day premeditated. Um... But either way, we went to see Opeth at the House of Blues, and this was my first time seeing Opeth. It was mine as well. I've listened to them for a long time, but I just never knew when they were in town. Yeah, you kind of just, you miss them, or... So I, I got my Opeth cherry popped, which was fantastic. Um, and it was, for me, it was also good, too, because this is the first, like, heavier concert I've been to in a long time. Because I haven't been since I was a wee little ass, making a whole bunch of very dumb decisions. I mean, that has age, certainly has. Yes. So, on our whim, 
we got to see Opeth, and we were in the pit, because that is the only way that you see metal. <laughs> it is the appropriate response, and I gotta say, it was, for me, it was the perfect blend of their melodic, slow, vibey, kind of like Pink Floydy inspired, you know, music, to like, they're like, I need to thrash around <laughs> Same type of music. Yeah, they're probably. It was prog. I know, but the what, the set list that they had chosen, I think, was a very nice balance between the two because they leaned heavier one way or the other. Well, but even they had made the comment of "We're going to play some music, and fifty percent of you are going to like this so, stuff." <laughs> but here's the thing: so Opeth in general is a progressive band. Mm-hmm. They are considered prog. Mm-hmm. All of their catalog is prog. And that's the thing: they are classified as prog, which is one of the many reasons I love them. Mm-hmm. Just because prog has a thing for me. But it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean... The guy's moshing, but I mean, now, don't get me wrong, LSD dude that I had to move and watch when I moved and he face-planted into the row in front of me. That was great. This dude was on more than just LSD, I'm sure. He's sitting there and... Let me tell you more, because I didn't tell you about that whole story. Yes. It's the microphone. So I'm standing there and this guy and his friend are all... They're both fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, they're both fucked up. His friend's whipping me with his hair whatever. It's a metal show. Shit happens. This dude leaning into me, leaning into me. And the next day I know, I smell cigarettes. The dude behind me smoking cigarettes just in the middle of the pit. Oh yeah, as you do. What are they going to do? Security yells at him. Just stop him. Puts it out. He lights it again. Security jumped to the railing and escorted him away to go put it out. Oh snap. And then when he came back, he started groping on women and got kicked in the nuts. Hell yeah. That's exactly what you deserve. See... And I think it's important, because like you and I had two totally different experiences, because we ended up getting separated. Yes. You know, a mosh pit. So, while you were off dealing with all of that, I was more, more center stage. I was definitely a lot closer to Michael, which I didn't mind. Because mm. it is Michael. Let's be honest here. <laughs> so, so, I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting thrashed around a little bit, because I'm on the outskirts of the pit. Where I'm like, I'm getting rammed into, and like, like I am not a large person. No. Let, let me preface that, that I'm like five foot nothing on a good day. <laughs> I am small. <laughs> yes, small. Let's protect. Yes. Small. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily need protection, but it's nice to have a shield. Um, we tried. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I wore, I wore my Doc Martens because I knew I needed the traction. Didn't have the opportunity to change. I, I, I thought ahead. I plan. I percent of my outfit. To work for work and then to concert, so that was my plan. All I had to do was change my shoes, and that's exactly what I did. So my Doc Martens, like, get you a pair of Doc Martens. They protect your feet. They give you they give you better traction. But for me, like being on the outskirts of the pit before I finally moved behind the band meat shield, um, or in front of I should say, I had this one guy who was like leaning and like thrashing into like my neck. Dude broke my phone. I have a cracked screen now. As it happens. <laughs> As it happens. You know, because I had and I had it protected in, you know, in the boobies. There's plenty of cushion. I thought it would be safe. And then I heard a... And then I heard the... And I was like, no! <laughs> and as all of that's, you know, going down, like, so guys ramming into me, ramming into me. So then I, like, I don't know. I, like, like get all my strength. And I'm like... Rah! And I thrust him back. And dude, like, hits his head on the ground. And then, like... Someone like kicked him a little bit, and he like got like shot, like shoved off to the side of the like. Someone just dragged him away. 
Yep, obscene. <laughs> it was amazing. And I felt so much better. And then eventually I moved in, in front of my big, you know, my big, strong, you know, wall of a man to keep me from getting thrashed around too much. Still got bopped a couple times, but honestly, you need to get roughed up a little bit. When, when life gets you down, sometimes you just need to take a couple good thwacks. I mean, you say that. I say I got away from the pit as best as I could. Oh, I don't mind. I love being in the thick of it. I, I always... You're an old man. Not even that. I held my own while I was in it. Mm-hmm. I just can't anymore. No, that's fair. I'm, and it's not so much that it, I can't in a sense that I physically can't. I just can't. I'm, <laughs> You're done. You paid your time. Like, you did I your did dues. I did my time. I scars and my fractures and mosh pits. Mm-hmm. I've been in some brutal pits. I was in guar pits. Oh yeah, that'll do it. of death. Honestly, I'm... now, at a, in a prog show to me, I'm there to watch the music. I want to see the technique. I want to see what they're doing. <laughs> I'm not there to get thrown around in a pit by a bunch of dudes who just want to be dude bros and slam really hard into it. Oh, you mean you don't want to mosh in the middle of to rid the disease? Yeah, not really. <laughs> like, because that happened? <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That is not that is not a song that you might like and I was just like I was vibing to you know, like everyone was pretty good about calming down and enjoying the music and then all like To Rid the Disease is one of my favorite Opet songs. And um The Moon Above and The Sun Below was the song that introduced me to Opet. Like that was the one that like got me into it. And so those are the ones that I enjoyed. I was and I was enjoying my time and then all of a sudden I get like a hand to the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, we're moshing, I guess. <laughs> See, I remember going to concerts and doing mosh pits like that when I was in high school at small shows. And when I was in the pit, everybody stopped moshing and just kind of patrolled around in circles while it was slow until it picked back up so they could mosh. And then they in circles. Oh, yeah. They take that opportunity to do what's called breathing. Yeah. Licking your wounds, making sure you didn't actually break anything before you jump back in. That's why those slow songs are put where they are, people. Yeah, that that is how that is concert moshing one oh one, and with all the and with all the concerts that I've I've been to, thankfully I've never been a part. of I just I don't think I could survive as a small human I've being. I survived guars. I survived triviums. I've survived slipknots. I've survived avenged. <sighs> the avenged ones are weird though, because those are okay. The so very like, front aven- avenged pits are brutal. The ones you get further back are like very like. Eh. Oh no! Let me touch you. Yeah, no, so when I saw Avenged Sevenfold, I was in that brutal pit area, right? But the issue that I have with Avenged Sevenfold pits in general is, like, one, yeah, you can technically kind of mosh to the music, but Avenged Sevenfold attracts a lot of Kyles. Yes. So, they like slam dancers. Yes. I and, there were slam dancers in the pit at Opeth for some fucking reason. Yeah. I watched him get punched twice. It was, oh my god. I watched, Guys around me every time he'd come by like throw instead of the push they throw the punch in to push him mm-hmm. and it was great i mean that's what i get because there was that one guy that was i remember he was like he was like a balding like mm-hmm. balding wrinkly headed dude kind of like the guy that we saw when we saw twerp once upon a time uh, yes the brain guy yes. who anyways <laughs> that's a story for a different day but i saw him and he was just like he was over like 300 pounds and he was like thrashing his body into all of us like, i know god all. I know. And I know you know because like I'm sure you got that. Like I got that a lot because yeah. he kept coming over toward me. Every time when I would get like when I went to cross during a slow song, mm-hmm. he would run into me. Yeah. Or then when I get in there, I saw him. I finally I got him off of me. Good. I fucking hockey checked him. 
Oh, I guy. shoulder checked that motherfucker into my <laughs> Turkish friend I made. He stood go. there and that fucker came toward us and I looked at him and I was like, See, shoulder checked him and the Turkish guy shoulder checked him back and he went into the pit on the floor. See, like, I, Fuck off. I made friends with another sweet small girl and she was super cute and she was just trying to protect her vinyl the whole time. Well, and like, <laughs> it ends up happening is you end up at the wall of the pit protecting the people behind you. So I ended up getting behind the guy I made friends with. Mm-hmm. And then like, I guess these girls decided I was their meat shield. Yeah. Even though he was their meat shield before, but then I became their meat shield. Yeah. We won't. I'm not finishing that story. Yeah, let's not do that. Because it just would go on and on and on. Yeah, so, but, and then at some point, too, someone lost a shoe. <laughs> People lost shoes, glasses. I lost a shoe. Yeah, I found you it. Did. You didn't. And so did the other guy. No, we, he, yeah. After we were like, we have a shoe. We have a shoe. And then we're like, shoe guy. <laughs> it was just. It was, it was fun. And all in all, like, the music was great. It was nice to see. It played. I liked the backdrops that were. I had to look away during the strobes. I did not. Well, because they were direct. The ones on the side behind them were angled directly toward where I was. Mm -hmm. So when they're going, there was. I had to look away because closing my eyes, I still saw them. They're all angled that way. Oh, that's so cool. When you're directly of the stage and it's strobing between them, Mm -hmm. I could do that fine. But no, that the bulbs were directly in my eyes. Oh, see, I don't like that. I I had to look. I'm weird. And I really enjoy strobe lights and like that strobing effect. Like I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but to me, it's just like it, I like the way it makes me feel. I like the way like my mind like works. I, I don't know. It's weird. No, I get it. I just couldn't. Like makes me sound like especially total, not like, after that. Then coupled on top of that, I couldn't deal with it. Oh, no, well, I that's fair. You gotta think. You remember my day yesterday started the same time it started this morning. Six fifteen. Yay for working for you guys. This is what happens when you become adult. It's like we have money to do this stuff. But then we have to... And then I have kids. Yeah, see. And work. And we're not going to talk... You know what? Speaking of work... We should probably get to... We're going to get into some work. Let's talk about some headlines. Yeah. Some thing lines. Uh, see what you said. Headlines. Headlines. Thing lines. The lines. Whatever the hell you want to call them. Apple doesn't like bad guys using iPhones. This is the biggest fucking joke. Thank you, Ryan Johnson, for blowing the whistle on this one. Yes, Apple's product placement guidelines state that villains cannot be seen on screen using an iPhone. This makes no sense because their entire corporation was founded by one of the most evil villain-like motherfuckers on the face of the planet. And yes, I'm talking about Steve Jobs. I don't care if that motherfucker's dead. He had the bad guy turtleneck. He had the shaved head with the small glasses. Like, with with his little flavor saver. Like, dude was a iconic villain aesthetic. And you got Tim Cook, who looks like Gru with hair. Exactly. So, like, it's it's led by two notorious villains, and on top of it, too, like, they, it's an evil corporation. I don't want to say it's an evil corporation, but, like, it kind of very much sense of like, you need Apple everything. We Apple all Apple, this. Apple, we like, own you. Yeah, it's almost as bad as Amazon. Yeah. Right. Ugh. So, I, I think it's ridiculous that only good guys get iPhones. But it, now that I know this, and I doubt Apple is going to change their, their yeah, process. Hey, guys, now every we, you're ever going to see if they don't know, tell you who the villain is, look at their phone. Hollywood Secrets Exposed. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Unso- well, now solved mystery. Yeah, it, it's no longer mystery. This is we figured it out. Dun dun. Bob Iger's leaving because Disney launched Disney launched Disney Plus, so he said, "Yeah, this is time. Peace." 
I need to know what he did. I want another real story. How many kids did he? How many kids did he touch for Mickey? <laughs> he's a, he's a kiddie diddler. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. He's a Disney CEO holding the fucking. Like, I'm right there. He's holding the child. Uh, the child does not look happy. Too. He looks he rather uncomfortable. He, he is like, like holding on to his suit for dear life. But I like conspiracy. Get your conspiracy theory hats on, thingatiers, because I really want to know why this man, at the peak of his career, decided to step down. Like they say, it's like his legacy. Perfect time to walk away, and Disney's on this whole new adventure, like this whole new path, and everything's going to be different. And it's better to just give the helm to someone new. No, I'm and that's the pe- That's the PR. I want to know the background. Probably because I didn't realize that Disney for 15 years. Well, th- what does the CEO actually freaking do except for sit there and just get money just shoved into his he... face all day? Actually, he's the I... one who convinced Steve Jobs to sell Pixar. He personally had to get down there to promise Steve Jobs certain things would not happen. Mm-hmm. I learned that watching the Imaginary documentary. Thanks, Disney Plus. <laughs> he also had to fly in personally the acquisition of Marvel. Again, he had to do that. He he didn't send a team to acquire these people for Disney. He went and did it himself at head because he wanted the talent. He's probably one of the more active CEOs there's been in a long time. For 30 years in general. Yeah, I guess it's time for him to retire, but I just feel like this really weird place for him too if that makes sense like i feel like you usually wait until there's like a little bit of a look, but disney's still on a high even though there aren't technically any show like we're in like that weird in between rest of disney plus's new lineup to be rolling out for having a reason to watch disney plus again because i haven't been um i really haven't either I, I've watched a few stuff. things. Like, when a movie comes out that I want to watch, mm-hmm. I'll watch it on there. But honestly, I've got a bunch of other things I'm watching. Right. So, we, we have a lot on our But what I'm saying is, is like, usually, like, you, you wait for more of, like, the low. But, like, there's there's still really on the high here in terms of everything that it's been doing so far. So, I, just, I think it's weird. And now I'm going to go into the depths of the internet and figure out what oh. theories like what he may be hiding, where he has to step down. But that's just where my mind goes. I think, honestly, part of it, it actually makes perfect sense to take over on a high, because he can't be pinned with any of the failures now. <laughs> if Disney <laughs> Plus crashes... I got you here, brushes hands, I'm out. Like, think about <laughs> it. If Disney Plus crashes, let's say a year from now, Two years from now, and it just isn't viable for some other. It's not, you know, this. But, you know, or Hulu isn't viable in five, ten years. They own most of Hulu because of the. That doesn't no longer gets pinned on Bob Iger because he had nothing to do with how it was run. He just bought it. Any failure from any of this happened. Now gets pinned on the new guy. Any failure <laughs> for the new Star Wars High Republic that we're not talking about this week, join us next week for that one. But with High Republic, if that's a failure, it's not his fault. He doesn't lose anything. Maybe some stock. That's about it. Yeah, because I'm sure he's still got his hands it's... in Disney and other places. Speaking of stock, 
Uh, I don't know how this actually works as a cause of segue. It doesn't. <laughs> did you know that YouTube rejects about seventy-eight percent of the appeals sent to it sent to it for videos to be put back up after demonetization or such takes them down? I am not surprised at all by this number. I'm honestly surprised it's not higher. And that's just because so, okay, for for example. They only reinstated about 23,470 in the last three months of 2019, and it removed close to 6 million. Jesus. So. That's, that's a lot of video. I, okay, so here's my thing with YouTube. Because at the end of the day, and Thingateers will know this because I say it a lot, YouTube is my primary form of entertainment more than I watch anything else. I watch it when I wake up. I watch it when I go to bed. On the off chance, I get to take a break at lunch. Like, at work. Which is few and far between these days. Um, I'll watch a YouTube video. I, I go to YouTube before I go to Netflix. Before I go to Hulu or what have you. So, a lot of the creators that I watch talk about this kind of stuff. And it doesn't surprise me. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so there's so much getting uploaded to you. Mm -hmm. And YouTube, unfortunately, has created a system in and of itself that is unsustainable. Because they've made it where everyone wants to be a YouTuber. Everyone wants to be a content creator. Like, they've really been the forefront of that entire, that, that entire, gen you know, that entire generation of be YouTubers. So you got to think about all that content that's getting uploaded. It, and they've got no real way of being able to sustain it because like, they're making a bunch of money, but there's not there's not people on the planet to watch all of these videos. There's not. So I get why the number's so high. Is that fair to creators? Definitely no. not. It's inexcusable, honestly. And a better system needs to be put in place, but I don't have an answer as to what that system could possibly YouTube so, doesn't I there's a couple of things that have been floated for YouTube the possible one is to actually have a human look at the videos that are playing instead of an algorithm which would also create jobs which is hey something we all need but you know people have suggested things like that where your video gets claimed and instead of an algorithm see what's wrong with it or why it's demonetized whatever they actually let somebody else look at it but honestly, I don't, I don't really know what a solution is to it. But I do want to know how many. That is a really good question. Because that's another question: is videos, dead channels, or re-uploads of like UFC fights, baseball games, or things that is truly copyrighted content that can't be uploaded. And how many of these are things like what Dragon Ball YouTubers or anime YouTubers? Can is in a lot of gaming channels, which is the extent of fair use and copyright, and especially pertaining to properties that are owned in overseas market. That's where the anime one comes in. From Japan, and what we're allowed to use on things is against the law in Japan. Yeah. And it's you get claimed for that, and I see it happen to anime channels. They get claimed for that, and they can shut their or kill it with one video being claimed. And YouTube won't fix it because in the country it was claimed from, it is illegal. But per YouTube being in the US-based policy, they can't not demonetize it in just one area or pull it in just one area. It has to go off. 
And I think that's something that we work. Is if it's something that you upload and it gets claimed in China because it violates copyright law, but not a copyright in America, Japan, or Germany, mm-hmm. then you too, and that creator should be able to have a say in saying, well, then just take it off of the Chinese servers. Or take it off of the Japanese site because you're routed based on your v- uh, based on your IP address as to where your local one is. It shouldn't be that hard for YouTube to be able to find that DNS and do it. Okay, but here's the thing. So I was doing a little math while we were talking, right? Mm-hmm. And of that 5.9 million videos that were removed from YouTube out of 365 days per year through an eight-hour work week, that's roughly 2,000 videos that need to be sorted through. Mm-hmm. In just copyright claim. And that's in a year. And keep in mind, this was in three. Right. Like, that's so what I'm saying. Like, ideally, you'd want something like a night. Like that's why they have their algorithms and algorithms. But you humans for this because you also got to think, like, you have to figure out, like, the length of it. And, like, when you do a copyright claim on YouTube, you can just claim it. You don't have mm-hmm. to specify when and where. Yeah. The problem was. So then you have to watch. It could be a quick 30 second video, which, like, I mean, makes a little, it doesn't make as much ad well, sense. So the, it's not going to be uploaded no. to the same versus, like, you know, some people that upload, you know, two hour stuff on YouTube. So then that's like, so there's hours that get sorted. So out of that, like, eight hour day of those 2,000 some odd videos that need to be sorted through, you know, time, you know, at least over like the course of the year versus three months, you know, like, it's just, there's no, there's not enough people that are going to want to do that. And also you, the stuff that the people can see, because I know there are, I've heard horror stories of people that like have to like watch and vet YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, ooh, I don't, that's a conversation for like an, another day. Yeah, no, there's some horror stories of what you'll find on YouTube to do, but there's also some process. And one of them is just that they can maybe set for the domain names and different servers. If it's claimed in China, let it don't let it be pulled across the market. Use these smart DNS probably route it where it's just pulled in China or just pulled here or just pulled in Canada, Mexico, England, wherever. Use your DNS, your fucking Google. For Christ's sake, YouTube is owned by fucking Google. If no they excuses, can't get really. this right and figure out a way to fix it. Oh wait, but maybe we're just overreacting like everyone did with Copa. <laughs> Because nothing happened. But nothing happened. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You can't download and save kids' videos. So if it's aimed for children, you can't save it for later. Oh, darn. Oh, no. How am I ever going to watch my my insert children's programming title here? The the Nate, Nate Toy Boxer, like that kid that... Un- How am I going to watch Lego Star Wars now? See, but oh, that that's does... that's torrent. Okay, so, but that does kind of pose a problem to the the fly-by fly-by-night parents that just give their kids the ipads on the youtube save so does that mean they have to be parents oh my god who would have thought thank you youtube (laughs) for giving me more screaming children on flights yes and on that note greninja's pokemon of the year (laughs) (laughs) okay the (laughs) segways are cool but you gotta learn how to do this well, I mean, Google voted for it. so that does is it even the, count? That's the biggest stretch. Like, does it even count? No. That's what I'm saying. So, I just wanted to say Greninja was Pokemon of the Year and moving in Nintendo. You're, you just, won my heart. 
Nintendo Senpai did the right And this is why they will always be Nintendo Senpai, because Nintendo cracked open its um, secret Game Boy stash to help a 95-year-old woman after her original broke. So they literally went in the back and found it. <laughs> the mystical back. It exists. This, it, this was in the Beyond section of Bed Bath. It was like Beyond Beyond. This was like Scratch and Dent slash New. I wonder if they like share walls with the Disney Vault. I wonder if they just like said, "Hey, let's just make one more for this one. Let's just make one." Yeah, and then <laughs> and then never make another one. And that's where it is. They didn't find it. In the they just made it. Yeah, they just here you go. You can have it. And then, you know, they're like, you can oh, play your Tetris. You can play your Tetris and just, you know, use this one. Try not to kill this one off like you killed your own. Now, keep in mind, this happened in Japan because this shit would never happen. No. Here in America, customer service would be like, go suck a dick. <laughs> like, that's exactly what customer service would be like, your Game Boy broke you. Yeah, buy a fucking new one. Is that's how it works. Yep. Or it's, I'm sorry, why don't you try purchasing a new one, sir? Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Have you tried turning it on? There's no power. But have you tried turning it on and back off? I physically can't. And that's customer service in America. Well, that's IT support. In America, America. quote unquote, because you know everything in countries where, like, give a shit. No, kind of like Burger King. What do you mean? This is exactly... Like, what giving a shit actually looks like. I mean, yeah, I know, but I still wouldn't put pictures of mold up to advertise. The like, I, I, I understand the reason. Get it. It's just, like, hey, mold. Okay, no, now here's the thing. And I, I wanted to talk about this because I, I actually, so I'm going to put it out there into the world. Y'all can judge me as much as you want. I actually really like Burger King. It is a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, and I I say I admit that in small company, but now I've just screamed to the east, which is fine. But I like that they're taking a different approach because I've watched, you know, Super Size Me and, like, even on, you know, Good Mythical Morning, where, like, will it mold? And it's like, this has been here for three years, and it looks almost as new as the other one. Like, because of all the preservatives and everything that's shoved into our gullet, like, and you just eat it. And, like, you know it's bad, but you eat it anyway. So for them to come out and be like, hey, look. So they they took the time to be like, look, our stuff is is real. It, it molds. It, it has a very pretty mold pattern, too. It's very healthy. It's a good culture. Um, you know, it's got the fuzz. And it's just like, looking at this makes me feel better about what I'm eating. Because... I'm, I'm, although I eat Burger King, um, not all the time, but I will definitely be trying this, this new burger combo, no preservatives thing because of the mold ad, because all the food that I buy is fresh. Yeah. And like, you, you can attest to that. I buy fresh vegetables. I buy fresh fruit. I, I don't really buy things from cans. I don't buy frozen things too often. Um, I freeze things, which is different, but I buy fresh. So, and I'm not a stranger to mold, but to me, mold means the food was good. It was okay to put in my body. Well, yes. I don't eat Burger King anyway, so See? this really doesn't matter to me. 
Well, maybe video. maybe this one won't because it's not jam packed. Maybe it's the preservatives. No, not the only. No, okay. Because you that, tried the impossible. That's the only thing that won't on their menu is that. But here's the thing: only their food does that. I go to McDonald's. I don't get that feeling. I go to Sonic, Whataburger, Checker Rally Burger, In and Out Burger. I still what, any of those. I don't get that feeling. Literally, it is Burger King. Interesting. So I don't eat that. But as it is, I don't like to eat these places anyway. If I'm going to go out fast food, one, I'd rather go to a place like Five Guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, Five Guys is legit. fresh there for me, and I'm not worried if they're that many see them cook my food. Right. Um, I'd rather go somewhere like that. I'd rather go to In-N-Out. Because, again, you watch them cook it right there from raw to food. Their food comes in every morning fresh. And Taco Bell. Taco Bell Elite. Their and food's pretty fresh nowadays. Their well, food's actually gotten a lot better. It's a would have been. Oh no, Taco Bell was listed as 2019's healthiest fast food like, because they they don't have. I still can't get around their lettuce because like their lettuce is, is still weird. like the on the face. Like not as fake as their meat used to be. Their cheese used to be hot. <laughs> Do you remember? Like they got cut. You know why they're one of the healthiest restaurants? Because they get called, they got called out all the fucking time. They're like, we need the bad press. Let's right. just actually fix it. Right. Which I appreciate. And I love Taco Bell. And they will always be. But in the same vein, and then I promise you, but do you remember that one time where we all got Taco Bell? Um, and this was like before the change and before they really started making those changes where we, the, the cheese actually took the ink off of the wrapper and like you could read uh -huh. Taco Bell on us on the shredded cheese because of how just... Not okay, any of them. <laughs> I also remember though. Then again, I also remember getting on by people style and shit. Oh, yes. That makes a big difference as well. I do actually like. Okay, so I actually do enjoy getting the styrofoam cups from places because they're insulated. Yes, styrofoam cups are amazing. As horrible as they are for the environment. But they are I mean, great for keeping your drinks cold for you extended periods of time. Use them a couple of times. Yeah. Just learn how to wash styrofoam and don't microwave. Yeah, you know, don't microwave stuff. If you microwave it, you might get coronavirus. You don't know where that thing was named. <laughs> like, it's true. Think about it. You'd be like The Simpsons. You open up a... You, you put the styrofoam in the microwave, open up... <coughs> Probably why GDC got postponed. Actually, it's exactly why GDC got postponed. Coronavirus. Yep. Thanks, also, Corona. Also, why Taipei Game Show got postponed. It's because of the coronavirus. Travel restrictions worldwide. Because of the coronavirus. Hey, Chinese people, stop eating fucking bats. I don't, I don't think it was from the bats. I think there's a lot of issues. The, a lot of it, some of it is that it is tied to them eating raw bat. Why raw? To cook your food, man. Uh, even if you lay it down on the ground. Right. I like, mean, sure, you shit in the streets. All that can happen, too. But like, at, least, at least cook it. Because cooking it at least kills the bacteria. Ten second rule, maybe. Like conspiracy theory time. You know you haven't heard about since coronavirus started? Mm. Hong Kong protesters. It's because they're getting taken out by the coronavirus. Manufactured. Yeah, no, oh definitely. I am I am of that camp of this was created to not only distract but to also like knock out Hong Kong. Okay, so this is just gonna be a quick little thing. I know this is gonna we're not gonna talk about what I'm about to mention. Impeachment. We're not going to talk about it. I'm mentioning it for a reason. Has any of that come up now that Corona's now, since the Corona? Has any of that talk, any of the backlash? No. no, now it's all about how 
tweets surface about criticisms for things he does now. We're not. I'm not going to be political, but it's funny how the news cycle works. We we've definitely danced around that a lot today. But like, it's it's funny how that cycle works. How this has come into the news and other things. Well, because we have the attention span of goldfish these days, because we're completely pelted by a 24-hour news cycle. Where like, and we have a let's talk, and I am constantly feeling like I'm playing because of how many things happen because it's coming out. All the time. And like I'm like, oh, what did I miss? What did I miss? Oh, what did and I miss? And it's because it's constantly coming. I'll wake up and I'll have like six news articles first thing in the morning because of how much I'm looking at for our Let's Talk now. And we just get pelted with it. So it's like, yeah, I get why we only have the attention. I get why it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, that was only two weeks ago. Are you sure it hasn't been like a month? Because I've gotten at least three months worth of information on like multiple different topics. Yet, Since then. And yet everybody still knows that Epstein didn't kill himself. That's the one fair truth. Like, think about that. Oh, yeah. And all of the things that have happened, we still remember that. Oh, yeah, because it's... And that was actual months ago. It was actual months ago. It wasn't ago. just like... The year of January, the 2nd of February. Speaking of, this February had a leap day in it. That was fucking weird. Yeah, I wasn't ready for a leap day. Have you seen that proposal? This is off topic again, but there was a proposal that somebody made about a new calendar that gets rid of the leap day, takes all months and gives them, I think, twenty-eight days to make it an even thir- make it thirteen months. Mm-hmm. But they all have the same amount of days on the exact same days. So the sixth, the month, if Monday's the fifteenth, it's Monday the fifteenth of every month. I would be so for that. And one day solo, New Year's Day would be its own independent day. Hmm. No leap years. Honestly, the, my favorite proposal is where you take all those, like, you, you take, like, the extra day and you move it around, and where do we put that extra day now? So that way, like, February and everything matches the way it's supposed to, but we take that one extra day and we add it to October, October 32nd, Halloween Part 2. It makes more sense to make it a year day. Well, I mean, but... I know, but, like... You, we all know that I love my spoopy season, and oh. if I can get an extra day of spoop, because I already celebrate all month, an extra day of spoop just makes me that much happier. So as we're winding down our head <laughs> of the fact, do you fun some fun leap year facts? Oh, okay. Because I actually do know some of these. Do you know when leap years fall? Every fourth year. Do they fall on century year? No. Yes. Every fourth one. I guess that makes sense because that's how so, math works. Year 2000 was a century year and it was 2100 will not be a leap year. 2200 will not be a leap year. But 2400. 2400 will. Because that's how math works. So I, I just, I find that fact. Uh huh. That. For some reason, Pope looked and said, every four years, except for every 400 years. <laughs> I mean... All I because he wanted the name after himself. And then that year, canceled. The year they invented the Gregorian calendar, Pope Gregory canceled an entire section, the entire 10 days of October were just wiped out that year. They just didn't exist. From the 4th to like the 14th of October, gone. Why did they... He just said, no, we need to catch up. We're on this new calendar now. No, we're not doing that this year. Why are they taking it out of October, man? Because that's what he did. No, you, you take it out of... But you gotta like remember, really because month. of him, 
examples of him in the Roman in the other Romans. We also have. I know. Fuck. Fuck Julius Caesar. Someone should stab him. Oh yeah. All right. <sighs> Three things left, and they're all sad things. Yeah. Okay. So. All things left are sad. We had some death this week. And apparently 2020 is the year where we talk about death, so we... we had... Might as well just keeping it up as a thing. Who died this week? Basically. So... <laughs> Freeman dies in Fame Famous. Creative Force dead at 96. That's a long life. That is... So... In case that name sounds familiar, it is. But he is not the dude from the vacuum cleaner. He is the one who came <laughs> up with the idea of the dying sphere. Make one joke earlier and all of a sudden it gets thrown in your face later. Because he was a quantum physicist. Yes, he was. He was and no, it wasn't to throw it in your face. There's more to the listeners that, hey, there's more than one Dyson in the world. Other deaths <laughs> this week, the inviter of the coffee pasta. Inviter, inventor of the coffee pasta. <laughs> that, was, that was a Nancy message. That was <laughs> Larry Tesler died this week at the age of seventy-four. He was an Apple programmer back in the nineties. That very simple thing we all know now as Control V. Copy pastas. That's what I call them. It's one of my favorite commands. Oh, I use it. I use it all the time. How do you think I give you our headline? Yeah, this is true. Honestly, my favorite is uh, Control S because I'm a I'm a saveaholic. Wait, real quick. Add on the Adidas thing. Not gonna lie, kind of like those soccer cleats. Like, look at that. It's kind of clean. That's pretty. But you I have like an ad blocker. Can't look at them. But nice red Adidas soccer cleats. mesh looking. They're the Predator Mutators. Ooh, I'm gonna look at those. See, anyway. this is why I have an ad. That's nonsense. And finally, the creator of the Konami code. He should have used the code one Kazuhisha last. Kazuhisha Hashimoto has died at the age of. 61. Definitely the youngest on our list. And unfortunately, yeah, he didn't put the Contra code in or use his own code to save his own life. But this one I actually want to spend a second on because this is a code that I, I mentioned, I think, on Twitter when I tweeted about this. Everybody knows the Konami code. Everybody does. It's it's in all types of movies, too. And not even gamers. Yeah. Everybody knows about the code. Man, I don't know what the fuck it is, but everybody knows up, up, down, down, left, left, right, B, A, B. Or start select, depending on how you want to play it, and on the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's and it's referenced in all types of you know different movies, like little, like video game movies, non-video game movies. It is an iconic piece of culture. One of my son's toys is a little game controller. Mm -hmm. If you type it in on it, it makes. That's adorable. You know the code. It makes a Mario room like. <laughs> that one. So. So. Like, yeah. even, so even in, it's funny, too, because I was watching uh, Wreck-It Ralph, you know, speaking of Disney and all that other stuff, and they even I use the code. It's, it's one of my favorites. I love wreck it So good. Um, eventually, I will do the Von Schweetz cosplay slash Halloween costume, because that's the only time I cosplay, because that's the only time I can afford to. But um, they even use the Konami code in there, too. It, and it's like any little bit of literature I can. So, yeah, that is... That is a very long thing line segment we took up over. We had a lot to catch up on. 
a lot of news happened. We couldn't just let it all go away. So we've got one more thing line topic for you. But this is a nice special thing line topic because we're not alone for this one. No, we will be joined by friend of the show, Mr. Michael Anderson of the Liberty Talks podcast, who will be here with us momentarily live and in studio. Stick around after the jump. Hey there, thing of tears. Have you been wanting to slide into my DMs? Well, now's your chance, so make sure you talk to us at athingpod at gmail.com. After that little break, we are back with Friend of Freedom, Michael Anderson, Liberty Talks podcast. How's it going, y'all? And Hi. Nancy, Australia did a dumb. Oh, yeah, they did a big dumb. <laughs> so it's great that in, in 2020, we are now talking about banning anime from an entire country. Wow. Isn't it great? And that's why we decided to bring in Friend of Freedom. No way. Not at all. (laughs) Luckily, this isn't happening in the States, but if it were, something like this would theoretically be the reasoning why. That they would throw a fit over it. So, I wanted to have you on to talk about what you think, being a Friend of Freedom, of of it, first of all, what Australia is trying to do. But also, if we could figure out a way to maybe prevent them from being animated or decent way because we don't want anime fan we all love our animes our we- big old anime titties <laughs> okay that's our not fat anime <laughs> okay hold on banned. so i think we should probably talk about why it's getting banned before we jump into the actual banning let's start with some context because context is key here. you're right context <laughs> is key so an australian senator believes that japanese anime and manga leave pilot exploitation Particularly, they are highlighting Goblin Slayer, Sword Art Online. Goblin Slayer for the fact that goblins reproduce by raping people. And Sword Art because, well, you've seen Sword Art. It's fantasy the anime. That's where the uh, anime titties come in. No, Goblin Slayer. (laughs) That's my point. (laughs) So, reasoning is because these girls presented on screen are supposedly, quote-unquote, underage, that it's exploitations of minors. So, instead of just saying, hey, slap a sticker on this and say it's for adults, nah, we gotta ban it for our chitlins. They're, they're taking it all away. Well, Australia hasn't had a big ban in a while, so they were probably doing I mean, the last thing they banned there, never mind, I'm not starting that conversation. I, I, that's why I left the comment as is, because everyone knows, but we didn't say anything. <laughs> so, to be fair, their classification board as well has come back saying that they'll classify the movies, at least. Mm-hmm. But not so much the shows. I just, it's such a backwards way of, of going about it. It sounds like the social conservatives of the 90s, man. Well, it's like we don't understand it. It's a different culture. So everything that's bad is banned. Well, and also what I'll say, just as to like kind of like preface with the whole like underage quote unquote thing. Um, I know that anime is really good at not disclose, disclosing ages of any of their characters. They're portrayed as school children. Um, but they don't ever go into, like, actual age brackets. It's so very generic. It's like, oh, they just, they go to school, and they're in their school uniforms, and then they go on to, like, their adventures and stuff after the fact. That's true. Well, and part of that's because in Japan, the age of consent is 13 years old. Oh, so then everything's fine. So in Japan, what we're considering to be the exploitation (laughs) of minors, in Japan, that is particularly normal. 13 years old is their age of consent. Wow. I don't know what to do with that information so, now that I have it. We have to look at it in two, 
Because to what we would consider an age of consent, where we're from in the Western world, on average is like seventeen. Is somewhere between the ages of high is in high school, sixteen to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Well, sixteen to 18, I say eighteen, but eighteen you're an adult. You can consent to anything you want, except for apparently smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol. Um, <laughs> That's so consenting important. So versus thirteen, I cannot. I guess it, so. It gives you an idea to understanding that it's a cultural difference, right? Right. Well, kind of. I mean, it's a cultural difference, but still, like, in the in the Western world or, you know, where this is taking place at, um, I mean, at least here in America, we have, you know, shows and whatnot that, that portray teenagers as engaging in sexual conduct and, and such such of that nature anyway. So, I mean... Have you ever gone back and, like, watched Disney Channel-type shows? Like, stuff that we grew up with? Like, well, well, Disney Channel... It- I don't think Disney Channel as much, but, I mean, like, something like Riverdale or... or you know, like these CW type of shows, they have teenagers, you know, they're doing drugs or having sex. They may be killing people. You or know? they're even just dressed like super pr- provocatively. Oh, yeah. Very. And even, we can even bring like YouTube content in as well, too. Like, you, like I'll bring in, I'll bring in the Pauls. I say that because I hate them. Are you talking about the Ron Paul and Rand Paul? No, no, oh, no oh. not that Paul. No. Oh, okay. Like the, the well, so you gotta love those. And this is a different conversation we're gonna have. <laughs> And I'm outnumbered right now, so we're not doing that today. But no, like the Logans and the Jake Pauls, whose content is typically marketed towards children. And they've gone on record saying that they market towards children. But when you watch their... Oh, hold on. But when you watch their content, it's very provocative. They've got girls in, like, short clothing. And it's because they're older boys. You know, they're older men. They're, like, in their 20s and you know, in boxing matches now, but like they make content for children, but they have this very sexually charged content. So it's in that same vein where here in the Western world, you know, our age of consent is still higher, but it's, but no one says anything about that. I would like to see the Paul's ban. The Logan and the Jake's. Let me specify the Logan and the Jake. We don't need to ban any. Well, that's what the (laughs) cultural conservatives conservatives. But I mean, like, if they were going to ban, they would be better than the anime. Just don't ban anybody. I think that's the problem. <laughs> you know, why are we banning anything? I mean, can you truly ban something, though? So, I mean, in the world where the internet exists, no. Yeah. Well, just get a VPN. I mean, as a VPN <laughs> or even internet. to access things, because those in China who are going to be banned, who are, you know, Chinese government, for example, giving such strict access to the West of what they can, can and can't see, still find ways to ingest Western culture. Right. So, I mean, you're really talking about like TV broadcasting here. And I mean, we do have the FCC here in the United States and that, you know, they do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Fuck the FCC. Let's abolish it. Um, That's something we probably all can agree on, but Mm -hmm. let's, uh, but let's think about it from their perspective. I mean, I mean, even American television is, is not that regulated where they would say, okay, you can't have this anime, you know? I mean, um, they may control the time slot it comes in. So if you notice, like for us here in America, we've got, you know, tsunamis, the adults from Tsunami Block. Right. But that can only be run with its content between certain hours because of its content. Mm-hmm. Where the kids aren't awake. Where the usually. kids aren't awake for it. Otherwise, it's more it, adult content. Otherwise, like it has Pickles. to be cut. So, for example, <laughs> 2 a.m. you can actually see a big example of this on Cartoon Network itself. So, if you watch the very early hours of Tsunami, like on a Saturday night when it starts, and watch like the replay of Dragon Ball, it's very cut down and edited for kid friendly content blood will be removed, certain scenes will be edited, certain effects will be taken out. And you watch that same episode a couple of hours later when the run is going early, and you see it uncut with everything in it. So 
the difference here is different standards for the times of day. You can run more adult-oriented content more freely after like 7 p.m. when kids are supposedly asleep. That's why no, you don't it really think. starts at like 10. Well, like, I say 7 because it also depends on if it's basic cable or not, too. We'll look at Fox. What do you use? Like animation domination? Yeah, on nation, yeah. Something like that. Animation nation. Animation domination. Like, yeah, animation domination. Whatever it is. <laughs> they, they have Sunday that. Night. Yes, they have that where they're always coming out with what is it like Simpsons, Family, Family Guy, Day. Family Dad, or American Dad. All these, Family all these Simpsons. like shows. yeah, basically. Family, Actually, no, American Family Dad is humor than Family Guy. Yeah. Or no, you know what? American Guy, I find more humor in than Family Dad. There you go. <laughs> so they have what about all the these... Cleveland show. Yeah, we don't talk. Well, they have all these. I actually kind of enjoy, okay. You know? Loki, yeah, Loki kind of enjoyed the Cleveland show. It yeah. was refreshing. I like it. It was still better than Family Guy. Yeah, it was oh, pretty yeah. dope. Anything. Like, I mean, I don't I think want to get original anything. Family Guy was pretty good. Family Guy hit a, it's like kind of the Simpsons. It, it was really good for a while, and then it peaked. And then it, and it rolled that peak for a little while. And then it just became. And then it just kind of. Kind of resurgence coming back, where it's got some good content at times, but Family Guy's still low-key. I mean, they had Peter Trump get into a fist fight. Yeah, that's just, I mean, he was fighting chickens, which were fine. Because, like, you just, you, <laughs> you know could what they punch need to a do bird. Is put in the chicken suit. That would have been, been nice. like, that was a good homage to their history. Yeah, right. Instead of it just being a blatant. So, but back to the FCC. Fuck the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> but, see, because here they regulate hours of, like, in places like, pay a television license. But then they can air pretty much whatever they want and say whatever they want on their television, much like our pay cable would be, but only at certain times. Or they have to have dedicated like children's programming channels, and even here we don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore because those hours have to be designated to educational programming. Yeah, but I don't know, man. At the same time, you when you know the maybe the people in that country they they heard about this, they said they don't want it. I mean, people are going to be mad no matter what. I mean, look at the Super Bowl performance. You know, this this past year, you have all all these social conservatives saying strippers are on the you know Super Bowl stage, and that you know was practically porno. I mean, I really have you seen a Shakira J Lo music video, right? So I mean, those are way more raunchy. Like everything was still like contained, like they were tight, like everything was covered. Yeah, you know, like she, they were. But still, then it's like even yeah. even Americans complain and like say you make make stupid comments. So, but then you look at the cheerleaders on the sidelines who are wearing way less clothing than either. Yeah, I think, and I think there's there's like inconsistencies with these these um, these people that are trying to you know ban certain. Uh, animes or I guess certain performances from Latina women <laughs> and stuff like that, but then they make they make it okay or they're okay or they let their kids watch these other shows and they're like, oh, that's okay, Sonny, you do that, that's fine. <laughs> Fly by night parenting, well, yeah, that's the thing. yeah, they'll get out for Shakira, but their kids are on Fortnite, you know, tea bagging their friends. Which one's worse? Yeah, right. So <laughs> the Fortnite always no, worse. No, honestly, because Xbox it's just live. Xbox Live like chat rooms is probably the worst you'll ever get. What I don't you're know. Talking if... about man, I made so many friends, so many people there who had intimate relationships with my mother. Oh, you have so many stepdads. That's awesome. Apparently, man. <laughs> Apparently, <Ching. laughs> but remember, Nancy is just a game. Uh, I don't want to get into that debate right now. We're still talking like the whole anime band. Wait, well, hey, don't want to go. I think really what this is, is anytime the state is censoring things, especially when it comes to like uh, stuff of this nature, where they think it's explicit, really what they're doing is they're telling, you know, they're trying to play in the state. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to no, no, be the 
can't watch this. Yeah, no, exactly. No, that. And that it's also taking the role of what um, parents should be doing. So they're taking the responsibility away from it. Now parents are depending on the government to censor and make sure that their kids are watching what they should be watching. Because really, they're not doing it. Exactly. So really it should be the responsibility of parents to take it in their own hands and put child controls or make sure that their kids are not watching crazy things or at least that they're supervised under of some way rather than giving them just a smartphone or the internet and saying go wild because yeah. like, or as like we that said, the we programs like i know yeah. i was never allowed to watch something unless my dad had seen it first right like that was that was the rule and i mean i watched a lot of stuff growing up i, I remember watching tales from the crypt at the age of four like but he watched it and he's like you know what this is fine because it doesn't it didn't hit something that he didn't think i you know shouldn't see even at that young of an age and it's always been that way like any like x-rated movie or not x-rated but like r-rated movie or he first before he's like okay yeah you can watch this and he would dictate it and like the older i got he dictated but that was because i was already making those decisions for myself and the same can be said with this type of content it's like even if it's not something that they might be into it's still important to watch you need to know what it is get an idea of the programming and if it's something that you can't stomach then yeah maybe don't let your kids watch it yeah i mean just take more responsibility in your children's lives rather than relying on the state and i mean that's what the state does best is it takes these responsibilities and then puts it off takes it off the parents back and the parents don't have no longer have to worry about it so well and that's ideally kind of what like the mpaa is for and the um with the tv ratings that we have here so you can add as a parent at a glance, get a get a look of, oh, is this appropriate for at least that age? Exactly. Group? Yeah. And that's what they're supposed to be for. Unfortunately, parents don't even pay attention to that though. People actually know that the end of the show is written for mature audiences. How many people know that what the little things are to why it's rated that way they mean? Well, I don't think it's even that. Like, cause it's just a matter of them like actually not reading. Because I can't tell you the last time I've paid attention to a rating of any Thing. Well, we're also old enough to not care. Well, but well, I'll have to start caring. You'll again. have to start caring. But we were even talking about this today. Um, Mulan is actually rated PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind, and it's a Disney movie, and I would have never even well, the thought Pirates movies were rated PG thirteen. Or the Mask was another one that blew. Watch that is like super young and like. Well, and that's what I think. That's the point that you know you were getting to, Corey. Is that maybe they should? Uh, do you know if they do that and? Um, where was this? Right, so Australia does have film ratings. They yeah. do their ratings board. They have film ratings and game ratings, <laughs> but anime series apparently don't fall under the anime movie release, and they'll rate them accordingly. You think you'd just at least rate them so that way you can you know let the parents decide, or at least they would know. You know, even I was going on, my parents would say, okay, maybe this is for a thirteen or fourteen year old, and maybe you're like ten, eleven, twelve, but you're mature enough to see this, or maybe you shouldn't be watching. This. You know, they can make their own decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My parents' rules were. You know, PG up to a certain age, it was PG 13. If it was an R rated movie, I had to ask. Right. And that was it. It was, I could pick anything I wanted PG 13, no matter what it was. Until I saw a lot of movies I probably should have seen when I was a kid. Trust me. Oh, yeah. You got to push that threshold <laughs> but, as much as possible. <laughs> you know, but my parents were smart enough to understand rated R content was most likely not for someone that age. Right. You know, as I started getting older and older, that restriction eased up to where there were certain R rated things I could see. But I also remember when there would be nudity watching HBO, my parents would make me leave the room. I wasn't old enough to see boobs on screen. There's still a taboo around boobies, and I'll never understand it. I don't get it, but, you know, 
But that way she has made that decision saying, you know what, no, maybe you're not to handle that yet. Mm-hmm. Leave the room. We'll tell you when you can come back to watch the rest of the movie, because the rest of the movie may be appropriate in action. Scene in there. But on- leave the room. Honestly, they probably saved you with that, because anytime like, you watch the movie with your parents, a sex scene came on, and like, you just had to sit there and like, awkwardness. Uh-huh. Oh my god, this is the worst. You just, you're in that moment, and for some reason it just always lingers, and it's just, you just need it to Maybe over. that's why they made me leave the room. Maybe it wasn't handle it. Maybe it's because the parents were smart enough to avoid the awkward. It was so it, It's only happened to me, I think, maybe like but twice. The fact but is I, that I'm forever scarred. It comes down to, <laughs> instead of them letting the ban it, they should just, parents just really need to be parents. I mean, for their credit, like I mentioned, their film board had stepped in and said, hey, you know, we do rate the films. Maybe we do need to include the manga on rating. We do already, you know, rate other comic books. I mean, in America, we have a comic book rating zone. Because instead of taking away the choice in the consumer, they're letting the consumer make that choice based on what, the, what unfortunately, in, well, actually, in most cases, an independent agency is saying. It's not even a government agency in our cases, except for the FCC. Probably the FCC, but continue. <laughs> you know, the MPAA is independent. The, EE, the ESRB is independent. The Comic Rating Authority is an independent. And their independence is making that decision to do that. Maybe with some of the fact that the government made some pushing in the side of the ESRB and made us do made them do that, but it was an independent thing that avoided government step in each time. Maybe they should do that instead of having the government, because obviously they're not doing a great job just trying to ban like a anime. Entire I mean, genre of I mean we are talking about Australia. You see, that's the thing. What works for them won't work here either. Maybe well, they could get away with a ban of anime. Popular is anime in Australia anyway. I don't know. I don't think I. I, I don't think Australia has it here, but closer to the so they could just fly over the pond. Right, and they're fine. The hop skipping a float away. <laughs> so, and like I know it's mostly motivated on the types of content that are charged. Well, yeah, like, it's the sexually. Know, Charged content in the end, right? And it's and I know it's because the and like that towards it. So then it's like so you you make it harder to act. You don't have to take it. Away. Curious. Someone in Australia should start a streaming service for this banned but, content. So <laughs> in Australia, now I understand so that thirteen that is Ro- super young, but that falls in the Romeo and Juliet. Not? Yeah, that does. So then. Well, and it's kind of like you said, they don't, in anime, they don't really depict their characters as a certain age. They, they pick them schoolers. Yeah, and I mean, they, your average high schooler is probably about 16 or older. Yeah, yeah. Right. Most high schoolers are not 15. Well, some of them, they'll talk about being middle schoolers, but like most shonen anime or um, senjin, you know, that's based in high school um, or high school age. I mean, let's look at Dragon Ball. When Dragon Ball started, it was supposed to be. You know, My Hero Academia starts, Deku's a freshman, and he's in high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're between the ages of 13 and 16. You would just assume maybe some of the more developed girls that you see in the shows are still a little bit the upper class. Not necessarily, because some of, you, you got know, some people that were, well, it's just, like, it's just what happens. For the intents of their life. Right. <laughs> but, but even still, just like the fact that, like, I've, I've never watched it, and I've, surprisingly watched a lot more anime, especially now, thanks to our wonderful Let's Talk. Um, age is never mentioned. Like, you can get a general idea, and, like, you can get context clues on ages just based off of, like, how they handle certain situations. 
but it's never explicitly stated. So, and it makes it a more universally available medium because you can still, like, from middle school through probably even parts of college, you can still identify with that anime because it's still the same generic narrative of just going to school and adventures happening or chaos happening. And that can apply for all categories, and each age group is just going to associate with that situation differently. So it's not... <laughs> so it comes I mean but it's interesting yeah you know what I, I mean when I was reading some of these articles it seemed as if the way the senators that were talking as if just like these what these goblins were just raping little kids like super abundant like a lot of screen time or well, whatnot apparently it's how the goblin <laughs> right but it, but uh, what exactly the, is the story behind that though so I actually haven't seen Goblin Slayer. Yeah. Like, I have not. I've seen Sword Art. But I would assume anything that I could pull up on Crunchyroll is something that would be safe to watch. For me. Mm -hmm. And from what I gather, it's literally the hero, the story of a, a group of adventurers. Yeah. So it's so, like a hero. So it's like a D&D. It's a D&D campaign. So, so heroes from these goblins, yeah, right? Yeah, basically, it's from what I'm gathering from the description. So, yeah. So for what I'm trying to say, though, is that they make it seem as if, like, that's the main... Like that's the main story. Like that, these that these goblins are just doing that. Let, let's follow these goblins around on their rape courses. Yeah. Let's follow and, the main characters. Saving no, that's said called goblins. We'll have to talk about that one someday. <laughs> this is serious going on right. Now. That's been by serious things. It's about a group of people that go around species and just have. That is the whole basis of the anime. They have sex with other people, with like different planets and different species of people. And that is what it's called, Interspecies Reviewer, coming soon to Not Our Podcast. Yeah, no, we're not talking about that. I'm going to... Maybe they shouldn't be on that. <laughs> so no, we're... Some, some channels in Japan. Like, it's, it's oh. crossed the line for the Japanese at some point. Yeah, right. Like, the manga itself is crowded and common. Yeah, but, it's but this Goblin one, it's literally about, like, a hero stopping them. So, like, it's not, a, it's not a bad story, right? And it's I mean, a good it's... way to... Kid that rape is bad. Well, yeah. Maybe don't rape. Your consent is key. I mean, you're talking about the ages here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you got like there's there's a huge problem with like human states, and it's like you could kind of even relate it to that to a certain huh? point. Like, hey, look, there's these you know monsters essentially out here in the world that will do terrible things to you. You know, so be aware. But you know, and it kind of shows also, like you said, maybe it brings attention to those kind of ideas and that people should be doing something about it like these heroes right what's what's wrong with the heroes like they make it seem as it's just the goblin that's what the story centered well, around and the other one they bring up is sword art for being over sexualized and hyper sword art online is not, not hyper violent sword art online is about a bunch of guys that get trapped in a video game and if you die in the game you die in real life because you're hooked into like gear that like wow, nerd sounds gear. like a ton of american movies. yeah right <laughs> but yeah so sadly, it's sword art is they're stuck in a game. Someone hacks in, shuts them all in, so if they have to live in this nerve gear until they can find their way out. Levels of dungeon, a couple of different series of it, and blue scantily clad bat battle mate. Mm -hmm. See, and I would say sort of that it even to the vein compared to other swords. Well, true, but also like in that same vein, in terms of like sexually explicit, like have you ever seen a woman's armor in any video? So, like, I mean, they're only really speaking to the medium that they're involved in is because 
as as a woman i know if i want like high class armor it's like the least covering thing possible is what's going to give me those stat boosts it's better now than it was but so for sword art specifically it's like yeah they're going to be scared because that's the op armor so like it makes sense and like and it's anime so but i also say this knowing that australia also has a very complicated relationship with video games as no, there's a show I noticed wasn't on their band list. Hmm. Food Wars. They eat the food and their clothes explode off of their bodies, and they are all young high school women. I find that worse than what goblins do, in a sense. Maybe not goblins later. Maybe not as sword bad, art. Well, I mean, that's been pretty sexually explicit at times. Throughout a lot of it, it has. <laughs> I mean, there's. Let's go with even a recent thing in Super, where Goku appears on Bulma's bed, looks at her, comments that her tits got. <laughs> like Vegeta's like, "What are you doing here? Not seeing your wife's saggy boobs?" And he goes away. That's amazing. You know, and then yeah, back in the OG Dragon Ball, she flashed Roshi to get a Dragon Ball. She wore a scantily bunny outfit. She was always you know, getting felt up. Her butt grabbed. Roshi was like constantly watch, you know, reading nudie magazines. Yeah, nudie magazines. <laughs> So, that makes it even worse. Exactly. So it's but like, I think that's really doing it to her. But even that, she was at least 16. So as long as it's an old dude, not well, no, it's because she was, she was put as the just ringing age of consent at 16. So they didn't have a problem with that because she was 16. I guess. Uh, long story short, that's not a thing. Yeah. Especially the animes. I like big old anime dating. Well, right. And like, so what kind of, what kind of, I know we've talked a little bit about it. But what type of compromises or solutions to rating? The rating system would be good. Now, how would you feel about maybe, you know, with the goblin rape scenes, like cutting those? Why don't they do it like they do here? If you're going to air a certain day, or in any overnight hours where you get children watching it, something you'd air, much like Food Wars is aired on Toonami at night, there's a reason. Air them later at night, adjust your broadcast. We'll build a dedicated block for it, put it behind a broadcast paywall. Because at least then, if they're going to put it like HBO, HBO can air whatever they want whenever. Because you pay for it. Put it behind something like that. Okay. You don't want a little kid to see a scene of a 13 year old girl getting raped by a goblin. Don't make it be accessible to a 13 year old boy watching it. Okay. Put it on late behind a paywall, and you ban it, they're going to find. Yeah, make fair point. Thanks to VPN. Which, hey guys, that brings me to the point of our sponsor who is not that we have. We, we still haven't gotten word, guys. <laughs> no, we <we're> hard. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. We'll get one VPN one. So, do you have any solutions that you think might fix this problem? No or are you just like, no, no compromise, compromise, just all the anime titties? I'm, I'm t- yeah, all the anime titties, <laughs> all here. Um, no, but I mean, like, it's. It's kind of it, it's very reminiscent of what happened recently in the United States, where like we we raised the smoking age to twenty one. I'm really tired that we're, like we're teaching. I mean, we're we're treating adults like children. You know, we can't even treat adults like adults anymore. Um, you know, we as as you know, free adults, we should be able to make the decision. We should be able to, um, you know, monitor our children and be, have, take more responsibility in their lives. And um, I think that maybe this is not like a huge thing, but things like smoking things, 
when when the government steps in and they try to say, well, you're you're not too old enough, or you're not you know too mature, or you can't handle this. It's like I said, they're they're being the nanny of of their people. They're taking the nanny state route, and um, eventually, you know, it's uh, it's going to result in people not knowing what to do when they get older, and not have, not knowing how to actually be an adult or take responsibility for themselves or their children. What a crazy concept. But parents being parents. <laughs> who would have thought? But I think on that note, I think that's probably the best place to call no, this no, discussion. No, no, no. What's I your solution? So. Yeah. <laughs> you got ours. What, what I'll would Nancy, wrap it up. What would Nancy do? WWND, <laughs> which is a question because I don't but this time I want it. I don't think banning is going to do it. I feel, I think putting it at a later time slot or just making it more difficult to watch is probably a better solution because when when you're young and dumb and full of camaraderie, you you might not be able to, you know, navigate like certain paywalls that you and to his point, parents need to be parents. Both of you guys hit both my points on the head, so I figured reiterating it. Okay. Okay. So okay. <laughs> I tried to save us some time, but on that note, I think we'll wrap up so mr liberty yes would you like to maybe tell our thing of tears where we absolutely so the name is michael anderson find me at michael freedom michael the number four freedom at instagram twitter everywhere pretty much um from liberty talks podcast um and you know we talk about liberty politics culture um so get at me and make liberty win like that. Make Liberty win. Let's go talk about hunters and kill some dogs. Let's go. All right, tears. have you ever wondered where you could be the first to find our uploads? Well, wonder no more. Check out our main Anchor page. It's anchor.fm forward slash a thing bod. While you're there, make sure to check out our links to Facebook and Twitter that are going to be pinned right up at the top of the page near the podcast description. So... Thanks once again to our friend of freedom, Mr. Michael Anderson, for joining us to talk about banned anime in Australia. I don't know if that counts as an Australian accent, but... They're Southern. They're Southern. <laughs> Just, yeah, their toilets flush backwards. It's fine. I mean, they're more Southern than we are technically. Yeah, they are. Their seasons are backwards. <laughs> Just like their toilets. <sighs> Silly Australians, backwards shit and banning animes. But now... I digress. Now let's talk about some Nazi killing. Yes, because Amazon has finally graced us with its latest series, Hunters. Yes, that's right. Our Amazon Prime Watch Along series continues with our third series in a row. Amazon, why you do this to us? Like, we're going to... We're going to get through this, and then all of a sudden another one. The boys season two will come out. Right, because we'll have to cover that, because I miss it. Uh, but, all right, to be fair, this name, this series has some big names in it. Um, it's got... I mean, it's got fucking <laughs> Al Pacino. Yeah, so let's straight out of the gate. We got Al Pacino oh, in here. You we can't blame me for wanting Ted Mosby. to review. You can't, yeah, and you can't want me to... You can't blame me for wanting to review the first actual episodic series that Al Pacino has done. He's done like two part miniseries for HBO before, but he's doing an episodic streaming series. 
This is a big move for him. They must have given him a lot of fucking money. Had to. I mean, do you not see his house in the... (laughs) Pretty sure that's his actual house. (laughs) Right? Secret passages and all? Yeah. Yeah, He strikes me as a secret passage kind of man. Anyway, so this show starts off in 1977's Maryland, where you meet Biff Johnson, the Undersecretary of State under President Jimmy Carter. And he's talking about motorboat and titties in front of the First Lady. And now every time she looks at him, she blushes. Aw, uh, so we have already <laughs> opened up yeah. into stereotypical upper middle class. Well, I don't even know. He's, he's probably, That's upper class. He's, that's, that's upper class. Upper, upper class lifestyles with the barbecue and the pool right by the fucking lake, which still drives. Nuts. I'm not over it. That's all right. That's all right. So his new, I guess his new employee shows up with his wife. And she starts freaking out. And calling oh. him, calling Biff butcher. the butcher. Butcher. He slaughtered her family back in Poland. And he tries to play it cool for a bit and realizes it's not going to happen. So Biff pulls out a gun with a silencer on it and kills everybody. His wife, his kids, the friends, her husband. But he leaves her alive. Well, he needs to monologue. Yes, (laughs) while he switches to a German accent and reveals to her that he is in fact the butcher of our love in a Nazi. Dun, dun, dun. You swine like her, etc., etc. <laughs> and then he kills her. Flash to New York City, where you meet our hero, plucky, a plucky young boyshik by the name of Jonah. So another Jonah. Yes, another Jonah. Two Jonas in a row, both from Amazon. Who is a drug dealing Jew with him and his friends getting out of the first screening of the very first Star Wars movie talking about Darth Vader being a black guy. <laughs> it's James Earl Jones, though. And like so the, uh, we don't even know his name. Right. Also, know Darth Vader. Yeah, he could have been. He could have just been just a regular old Joe Schmo. Before he became Darth Vader, he wasn't born into being Darth Vader. He wasn't born evil. He didn't even ask to be born. He didn't. No, he didn't. He was miraculously conceived by the Force. Oh, wait, spoilers. Oh, oh, oh. Spoilers is something we still haven't talked about on the show. No, I mean, everybody knows Anakin was conceived by the Force. That's kind of what's given and told in Episode 1. But Episode 1 hadn't come out yet in 1977 New York City. That's true. You're you're spoiling it for the casting crew. Of a show that's filmed in modern days. Yes, ma'am. So, anyway. He goes and tries to sell some drugs to some jocks. They beat him up. That's his first mistake. They beat him up because he won't take only their $60. For $120 worth of weed? Yeah, I stand in my ground, too. That and... Never mind. Uh, 
So they get beat. He goes home and he sees his softa, his bubby, his grandmama. Oh, she's so sweet, too. I should say she sees him and kind of notices the black eye and tends to it while giving him some chicken soup. It was a damn good bowl. Damn good looking bowl of chicken noodle soup. Right? It really was. I don't even like chicken noodle soup. It is my least favorite soup, but I would eat the fuck out of that soup. Well, so did he. <laughs> and then he went to bed. <laughs> After. He did. So upon rewatching the episode a bit, I noticed a scene where he grabs the Farrah Fawcett TV guide and then he wakes up with it in his bed. So it's implied dun, dun, we know what dun. he did. A growing boy with needs. So how old is he if they're drinking beers? Um, at least 18, right? In 77? At least 18. In the, in yeah, the 70s? at least. I think in the 70s, New York, at least 18. That's where I'm going to put He's still dealing to jocks who think they're all that. And Anyway, he wakes up in the middle of the night to hearing some noises and goes downstairs only to see a man in the house pointing a gun at his grandmother. Who then gets shot and killed. But not before hearing the lines, you can't hide forever. You can't hide. You can't hide. You can't hide. And he goes to the police. Oh. Please do nothing. He's. They have their Jewish. Fe- they have. They have the funeral. And then he's sitting there. He's sitting shiva. Gets his nice one liner and storms outside. Enter Al Pacino as Meyer Offerman. The Bruce Wayne, rich old Jewish dude, who makes the joke that his the numbers that he has tat- that his numbers his Holocaust number that's tattooed on him is the number of girls he slept with. My man, he's a do double G. <laughs> so we we got our got our double G really quick in the series. Super excited because he's a pimp. Oh, he's something. And Al Pacino plays the role very well. I will give him that. It's very convincing. It, it seems so natural to him play this character. It, it's so seamless. I just I, I feel so connected to him. He he's very good at being Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for an Italian guy, he is pretty good at playing an old Jewish dude. And I do like some of the Yiddishisms that are used throughout the series and episode one. So well, throughout episode one so far, a bunch of the things that I just I laugh at because I know what the context of what they're saying is. See, and for someone like me. Or at I least mean, like I can relate to, for example, the you're what they're that they call a little shit, aren't you? I I can relate to that so much. Yeah, so I feel like this series was really meant for you. It hits. It hits a lot of notes for you as a person. I mean, according to it's, the internet, it's really bad, and Jewish people should hate it. Really, but Corey, do you hate this so far? No, but I also don't take life that seriously. And it's one thing uh-huh. this show tries to tell you is try to find humor. Don't take life too seriously. And anyone will tell you, eight hey, life's too short. Find you. Oh, hey, 
Life is too short. And the best revenge oh. is living well. No, I think the best revenge is revenge. Yeah, I know the Talmud was wrong, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. I couldn't not drop that line. <laughs> Speaking of, I do want to have a quick aside for a moment. One thing I wanted to ask you, Nancy, was were there any other questions? Because while we watched, because we watched episode one together. We did. You had some questions you were asking me about certain things. Just as a generally curious non-Jewish person. Were there other questions that may have come up since since we're now recording? That maybe our viewers may find helpful to have explained as to what things are. So I want to know the significance of only having immediate family members at the Safta. Or not Safta, the... Shiva? Shiva, not bad. Because they were the ones that you were just immediately related to. The immediate so family like a- is what we... Yeah, it's more of what's represented as... Usually, you know, it's parents or children. Brothers, sisters. Those you are immediately related to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or a better way to put it is family members of either your generation, one generation below, or one generation above. That's fair. That is the significance. You can either sit it for seven days or a year. It just depends on how long you decide. Also depends on how when your branch of Judaism. Of course, there's different different pathways you can take. It's a choose-your-own-Jew-venture. Oh, just like everything. Yeah. But yeah, while he's sitting in Shiva, he has the conversation with Meyer, gets to know him a little bit, and then they go. he goes out with his friends, and well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about what happens in Florida. Oh yeah, Florida's an interesting one. She got gassed, yo. Now you're really getting ahead of yourself, but yeah, she got- An old German lady got gassed and killed. Well, that happens like right when it flashes to Florida. You meet a what, who you don't quite know her yet, but it gets explained to you that she's a NASA scientist, and she's sitting there, and I caught it. I figured it out. Upon a rewatch, it is Ted Mosby, who is her plumber. Ah. And in this series, Ted Mosby is introduced at the end of the episode as one of the non-hunters. Yes. And here you were thinking when we first watched it that he would be a bad guy. Ted Mosby is a pure being. I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of bad, because they are still murdering people. But they are murdering Nazis? Which I think at that point makes it null and void. But isn't murder still murder? (laughs) Could that be considered a hate crime? I don't want to get into this topic discussion right now. Hmm. Maybe when the microphones are off. That's actually a good head scratcher, though. I'll have to think on that one. <laughs> yeah, let that simmer and then come back to me. <laughs> so, anyways. Anyway. So, the so, German NASA scientist gets gassed. But not yeah, before. I didn't, I, I didn't they, need to see old lady boob. Uh, I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see any of it. I didn't need to see I didn't need to ask. I was not body shaming. Don't add us, internet. 
but it was just something I was not ready to see. Yeah, but her I wasn't getting there. Her getting gas though was beautiful poetry. It was, and it takes our plucky young FBI agent who figures that out. Yes, our plucky young woman who wants more out of her FBI career instead of just, you know, being a pencil pusher, or just working there to sake work there. The boss is like, you don't get my hair. Go to Florida. Pew. And she quickly figures out she was gassed. And her story is probably the easiest one to cover, so I'm just going to keep going with it. Okay. So she quickly figures out that she's gassed. She goes to NASA to try to figure out what she's working on. NASA tells her that if they got, if she has a warrant, they'd be happy to tell her. She's warned by this guy at NASA that, you know, she'll need protection with the path she's going down. She's not the first to ask about the woman. Ask the right questions, though. You'll have your, yeah, seek the first. You'll have your answers. Then she goes back, sits in the lady's chair, goes slipping through the book, and a fit photo of her and Hitler comes out. And that's that's the FBI agent story in episode one. Right. So there, now that we got that out of the way, let's go back to Jonah. Or do we want to talk about Biff? Let's talk about Biff first, because that one is more... So, it, I, I don't say minor, because it sets the, the stage for a couple other things to happen. Okay, and at the end of this chat, I have some, some questions for you. Okay. Because I want to see if we can get some predictions going for this series. I have a, I, I want to know. Okay. So. Biff calls in help from, I guess, the Nazi overlords. And they send a strapping young field agent who you meet naked in a bathtub. And I can't remember his name. I... Don't either, but I do love how they had him basically in the honeymoon chilling, reading a book in a heart-shaped bathtub. Right. So I found that quite amusing. So he answers the phone, goes to Biff's, and I'm sorry, the man's name is Travis. Ah, Travis. So he arrives at the barbecue massacre. They talk. Uh, Biff talks about racism and ways to twist law in America. Hands Travis a gun in an envelope. Travis shoots Biff in the arm. Takes the envelope to a bowling alley. Yes, one of my favorite fucking scenes. Okay, so ah. this is like this is this is how you do intimidation. This is how you roll intimidation as a charismatic character that's not like intimidating in stature. He just stood there and said nines over and over again until he got what he wanted by being creepy. Nines. We're closing. Nines. Nines. We're about to close. Nines. That's about the counter. Nines. And walks off. And then, are you my mother? Yeah, so like the fact that he kind of has that I am not your mother. I am a dog. Are you my mother? Sorry, and then was it was creepy, but I still can't get over. So you know, he's sitting there and he's talking. 
son and you know where his alliances lie and everything and then his his buddies show up so Travis does one of does something I, I could never even thought of this is one of the most original things I've seen in a while but he takes a bone ball and just starts beating motherfuckers with it and I got so excited because <laughs> that was one of the coolest ways to take down a motherfucker I've ever seen and then, yeah, it's not often you see a full bowling ball to the teeth. Yeah. And, like, get push it. It's like, eat it. Eat it. All of his fingers are still inside. This is definitely not regulation boxing gloves. But boxing would be more entertaining if you pull the ball attached to your hands. Yes. But that's kind of shunned upon in professional boxing. Yeah, probably just a little bit. Yeah, Travis beats the fuck out of a motherfucker with it. Meanwhile, Jonah finds a knife. <laughs> so yeah, Travis... Well, let's finish Travis's story, because after that, Travis essentially gets told he does a, does a good job. And he meets... the colonel. Yes, and she is a very pristine lady. She's going to be part of my prediction questions. Okay. So we'll get back to that. Let's talk about Jonah and Meyer. So Jonah and his buddies play a game called Tar. Well, Jonah's buddies play a game called Tarzan or Jane. Stupid name. And he's sitting there with him and sees the local street thugs come up, decides they know everything. He goes to talk to street thugs. And what happens? He goes to trade weed for information and gets busted with his weed and goes to the cop. And gets thrown in jail. Only but he wasn't bailed selling. Out. Yep, but he got bailed out by Meyer Offer. And inadvertently solves. Yeah, <laughs> but not inadvertently before solves a rape case. Yeah, like if you guys are doing actual detective work, you realize that's on the bus line, and then he just fucking locks out. The cops like mad at him for being such a smartass, but he just damn it. I think fuck. he's right though. Yeah, he's just like fuck. He's right. Mm-hmm. And then he plays chess, gets called a little shit, and discovers a secret room. Yes, because he can see the patterns. Dun, dun, dun. Then he steals a photo that leads him to his grandmother's murderer. Yay, vigilante justice. Woo! Now, mind you, we're glossing over a few things. So, Meyer is an old friend of his grandmother's for the camp. While they play chess, Meyer tells him a story of them play- of, of Richter the evil Nazi guy who made the Jewish chess champion play human chess while in the concentration camps and made basically made him kill his comrades and let them be led into death by playing chess. Who then, Marcus was his name, snapped and attacked him with a, attacked with a razor blade and left a very distinct X-shaped scar on his neck. Yeah, if you see someone with an X on their neck, nine times out of ten, you might want to stay away from them. Unless they're the person that you've been looking for. Which turns out it was, because... Bum, 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 you find out through some detective work of Jonah's own doing that Richter, the man with the X on his throat, is who killed his grandma because he owns a toy shop. It's the perfect cover. No one suspects the toy shop. He 
tries to kill him. The old man overpowers him, ties him up, and starts throwing darts into him. That was an interesting technique that he used to the darts. I would have never thought of it. But yeah, that fucking hurt. That's an effective torture technique. I think I'm going to go stock up on some darts now. I mean, I'm going to have to rewatch the dart scene. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) So... Meanwhile, someone knocks on the door. Jonah gets himself free. They scuffle. He gets him on the floor. They fight. And Jonah could very well be about to die. The old man's got him overpowered. And Meyer saves his life by killing the old man. Here he comes to save the day. Meyer then explains everything to Jonah, who wants in and meets the rest of the hunters. And ta-da, that's episode one. We did it. But episode one was also an hour and a half. Yes. Oh my goodness, it was long. So first episode is a movie. Honest to God, movie. And then it goes down to out of the movie category into more episodic. Yeah, and it sets up so much lore to the series in episode one. In a sense, you get to find out a bunch of things about it. Now you find out your characters. Yeah, you find out who your characters are, what they've been through, the different, a few of them at least. You get to see both sides, and it's going to be an interesting ride. Yes, I'm very excited for it. I was, I love the direction that's taking the cinematography and this spot on. Even the title, like title sequence, is beautiful, and I think plays so great into the into the themes that the show is already starting to. Established like the pawns and chess. So chess is obviously going to be a very prominent part of it because not only was it in the title screen, but then they played chess and then they just played chess. So it looks like we're going to be doing back and forth of a chess game this entire season. And I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm gonna ask you, who do you okay. think that the colonel is? Mrs. Hitler. Ava Braun? Perhaps. Well, I'm wondering if this is like some... I, it, I, if they went... I, I don't know. Maybe if it's like, alternate reality because her and Hitler both died in the bunker. All right. So, I know this is based off of true things that happened after the war. I mean, but outside of like the, by. I don't think it's actually, it's not based on, it's pretty much inspired, inspired by. Yeah, so for the most part, this is original getting with some inspiration. So I just, I think it would be a good like full circle because she's obviously very well off, very well taken care of, is in control. So it, it has to be someone that was close enough to plan the same way Hitler did. I mean, I could see it being Ava Braun, but I is this alternate reality? Because I, I don't think it it's too soon to tell, but it doesn't seem like it is. Because it doesn't seem like it is. Obviously, she's someone who was well off in the Nazi party. So. But she worked her way up, as you do. 
You know, or maybe she was Hitler, one of Hitler's mistresses. I don't think a mistress would be then in charge of continuing the Nazi movement in a different. I mean, or she is. I mean, it's entirely possible she was the closest, so to speak, to Hitler. Yeah. Given circumstances, anyway. Uh, but this is probably one we're really gonna have to like wait. And see. Yeah, because that's really the only prediction. The only question I really have right now is trying to predict who she is. Because there's nothing else that it leaves me with as to you know, maybe is Biff someone that they're gonna end up going after? You know, how many? Se- but I guess that also a lot of this also depends how many seasons are there gonna be. We don't know. It's also new. It's so fresh. You have to wait and see. I honestly. I want there more already, and I know we're only like one episode in, so it'll be interesting to see how my mood changes on that. But for right now, I want a couple more seasons of this at least. If we get an hour and a half episode, is like the first, like the first episode, and they did hour and a half episodes, kind of like Sherlock did, and gave you three episodes a season, that'd be cool. Okay, but then you gotta wait like five years further, two episode season. I don't know. Sherlock was always just good, and it wasn't. Eh, it wasn't that long of a wait for Sherlock. I think the longest we got was a three-year wait. Yeah, maybe not too bad. Eh, that was a good show too. <laughs> so I'm excited. So they did... But I'm excited because they did a really job of setting, getting us all on the same page, all wrapped in. And now it's time. And I'm excited to see what the next episode has to I am too. I'm excited to see what they're going to bring to the table with the next episode. Um, I really am enjoying Al Pacino's performance. I, I can't wait to actually see more of the performance from some of the supporting characters moving into the next episode because this was really focused on building a relationship between Maya and, jo- Maya and, jo- and uh, Jonah. And it was also focused on kind of introducing the Nazi side and that they're in plain sight and infiltrated into higher positions. Yes, and are blending in so well, even if it took 30 years. Yes, with that, we're going to jump over and talk about dragons. Woo, dragons! Yes, time for the Witcher. Well, we go from slaying Nazis to potentially slaying dragons because Geralt gets propositioned by a man to join a party in a hunt. I like that this is as close to a heist as we're going to get in Witcher, I think. <laughs> but at least we get the potential of dragons before Game of Thrones did theirs and their seasons. Shots fired. Pew, pew, pew. Son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> That's right, this week on The Witcher, Geralt, Yaskier, and Jennifer go find a dragon. Do, but not before being enlisted into a, a, like a SEAL Team 6 of who's who. And uh, <laughs> I will say, all right. the dwarves are my favorite. <laughs> I loved the dwarf. He was a very high-strung man. 
I can relate. Him and I are basically on that same energy. But you have Geralt who has proposition to hunt a dragon, which, mind you, already seems kind of fishy at the beginning to me because Geralt doesn't kill intelligent creatures. Dragons are some of the most intelligent creatures of all. So, I won't... I mean, spoilers for the episode, of course, but I kind of called what happened at the beginning of the episode. I, I kind of called what happens at the end at the beginning on my walk th- on my watch through. There you go. I learned something new today. And now knowing that information, I feel like I probably would have picked up as well too. I was just completely unaware. So I'm still a pleb in all this uh, he gets gets um yeah, Carol gets propositioned by Borch three jackdaws. Can you say that three times fast? Because I know to I join his hunting party with his companions Taya and Vea, who so Jaskier cool. tries to bard. He he was so ready to maybe get like a friends or maybe relatives. Uh, he he um, was trying his best to bard. He, he tried. And he failed. As you do sometimes as a bard. So he they you know ends up joining. Flash over and it's, you get you get a bunch of Siri time too. We got a lot more Siri this episode. Well Which I, I wasn't was mad a, about because her plot's finally picking up more so. And I think there's good reason for it, given that two of the timelines are now together. Yeah, so we're getting to that third timeline. and It seems like with two episodes left, they should converge soon. They should hopefully converge within the next episode. And hopefully not rewrite the entirety of the canon of the series like a certain season finale on another certain show I like did. We won't Oops. go into that. We don't cover that show right now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna leave that out for right now. Fifty years of history has kind of just been rewritten. Oops. We'll get we'll get there one day. Anyway, we're talking about The Witcher. So, Siri's story this week was actually very inter- interesting to me because it was basically Siri Silent Hill. You know what? You're not wrong for that. It's a bit of a stretch, but I can't think of a better comparison. Like. Alone in the woods, maybe? Well, she wasn't necessarily... Or is, she, or is it the quiet place? Because she couldn't really say anything. I'll, I'll give you the quiet place. A quiet place makes a lot more sense. And if she was but, also blindfolded, that would be Bird Box, too. Right. Hey. But yeah, she was led through the woods by Doppelsack. <laughs> all because... of it, Even though you get all this man's memories... And looks just like him. You gotta make sure you ask the right questions. And we'll get the right answers. So, Nancy, I'm gonna ask you a question. Yes. Of our two stories that we have introduced from this episode, which one do you want to go into first? Let's talk about Siri because we gotta end on everything that happened at the end of the episode. Okay. So yeah, so Siri, they're wandering through the woods. 
there's actually a conversation about the rights and law of surprise that kind of happens on both sides as it flips between it, and we'll get there. But when Ciri's asking about Geralt and why he's important to Doppelsack, he kind of explains that Geralt saved her father's life and that she was promised by the right of surprise. Yeah, so she understands where she's at all of this. Versus and even still in her storyline as well, too, as we get a little bit later into it, where she says, I'm special and I don't know why. There's something inside of me. Giggity. And, she, <laughs> and she, is, she is special for, you know, a couple of reasons and also being a lot of surprises. Kind of a big deal. But you get where... Dara asks her to ask. Dara starts asking some questions that gets Doppelsack kind of off guard, and out of nowhere comes a royal sash. Yeah, that becomes important sash. later. Yeah, and that becomes important later. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so they ask the questions. Siri kind of just gives up on it when she gets the sash and they move on. Um, a little bit later, you know, Dara again kind of meant she remembers asking the right questions. And this time, Doppelsack reveals he's not Mousesack, but he is the doppelganger. Yeah, and it's it's weird. I have why is it that they talk that that they talk in plural? <laughs> because it's multiple like, personalities? Or multiple, I guess, people in their head? Or is it more of a hive mind? Because that's where my mind goes, is that these little doppelganger body shifter things are, are more of a hive mind collective, kind of like unity in Rick and Marty. I mean, maybe? But I don't think if one feels pain, they all feel pain in a sense. True. It may be more of like a like a mind player hive mind sort of connection where they all have the main brain that they go to feed but they all feel individually pain and such. I feel like it's probably more evolved because like if you imagine all the dumb stuff like you do to just like kind of randomly hurt yourself throughout the day like you randomly get like a paper cut or you know you stub your toe on the table you step on a Lego you know all the little things that you do that you you can like hurt with throughout the day, but on a, a whole network of other human beings that like you are in control of, but are also not, and the, that and just to feel all that pain collectively. Like, no, I'm good. Well, and that's why I think it's more of a reference to the fact that they're multiple personalities of the people. Because once they gain the ability, they get all of that person's memories and knowledge, and can become that person whenever they want. So I think that's more of how they re reference it is that it's not just a singular entity that exists in that head, but it's a singular person. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't know if that makes sense, but... I, I get what you mean. Like, it's one body, but multiple personalities because of the fact that it absorbed personalities. Maybe a, maybe at one point it started as one, and then it became the two, and then the three, and then however long, however many people it's absorbed is how many are in there, and that's why it's 
in the plural in the third person. Okay, that's fair. I was just a little curious on that. That'd be my thought, but I don't know. Either way, we find out Dara's knife is silvered. Yep, got a fancy knife. Because all of a sudden, and then he gets uh, doppelganger. The out. <laughs> I like that. Like the the doppelganger like grabbed the knife too, and then just like, he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I like how Siri gets him to the ground, right? And he's against the tree, and Dara hesitates to kill him. It's like, just kill him. And he's like, yes. <laughs> "Wait, what? Excuse me?" And then the hesitation, and then next thing we know, she's tied up with a sash. Honestly, the doppelganger becomes her. <laughs> And he absor- finds out the reasons, the very vague reasons why they want her. Like, we don't really know exactly what they mean with everything. Mm-hmm. That's vague. Yeah. She's the key. She's the answer. But other than that, we don't, we don't we know. Don't answer know to shit. what? Key to what? All we know we is that she is the result of the love surprise and that she needs to find her and be the key. But what lock? We have not been faced with the lock yet. We only have two episodes left. Right. So lots got to happen in two episodes, I guess. But she gets, she gets away in a way because Dara comes and rescues her. After we get a sweet scene of the, of the Black Knight fighting himself. Yeah, I thought that that was a nice, nice little touch. And for a little while there, I was like, okay, I can't really keep track of who's who. And then, then the Wii came out, and like, okay, I followed the Wii guy, and I became one of those follow the cup, follow the ball under the cup games. And like, okay, you're still one. Oh no, we flipped in the camera angle change. Yep. And I got fairly confident. You're the one on the floor right now. Okay. You said me, so I'm in the right spot, and more things happen. Yep. It was hard to keep track of, but it was a really good fight. But then, you get back to Siri, and Dara left her. He frees her and leaves her. (laughs) Bye, Felicia. And that's Siri's story this week. Yeah, a little chaotic, a little all over the place, but we we got more progression, and we got a little bit more drama and tension. Now, let's get to the real meat and bones. Let's meat and potatoes at the episode here. We're not shoving those potatoes up our ass, are we? They're not frozen, Nancy. They're cooked. Okay, so those can go in the stew. Yes. Don't confuse the stew potatoes with the ass potato. Or do at your own risk. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, so... Geralt, Yennefer, and Yaskir's adventures to slay the dragon. One. Kill the dragon. I like, I do as well like the dwarves. Two. Sir, Sir Aik. Yennefer's noble. Yeah. Not, ugh, he's so cringy. He is every (sighs) internet white knight, but in actual knight form. And just the way that they introduced him, with him like T-bowing his sword and his just like, for kingdom and glory. And I'm like, oh lord, Geralt and I had the same like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. 
<laughs> I, the monster that came out and like yes he was like yeah it's one of your friends and he's like don't he's probably hungry he's starving and he just out of nowhere just kills it and then just keeps slashing the body yeah i was gonna say it wasn't just that like oh the first couple hits once it was beheaded like that's when you stop like and you saw the shit eating the, the that that like eat shit look he gave yennefer about that dude like this is the guy. That's hard. He died shortly thereafter. He, and the way that he died, too. He got his throat slit. While well, taking, taking shit. shit. Because he it's ate the meat sacred. of the wolf. Nothing sacred anymore. So, what do you slit throat? What do you think? Oh, it's. Boholt. That's his yeah. throat. That piece of shit. Yeah, no. That's just that's just slit his throat. One of the right Rivas. Anyway, so he did. They go wandering, and the dwarves suggest a hidden passage. It's a shortcut. So they take it. And then Bush, three jackdaws, and Taya and Vea slip and fall to their apparent demise. No! It was, it was sad, though, especially because, you know, Geralt tried to save him, and and he's like, no, it won't hold. I think, I think that was a very like, pinnacle. It was a very pinnacle moment for a lot of things because it set, it set a couple other things in motion for that too, which I appreciated, which we're going to get into. And yes. So it was a very good character moment, I think, for Geralt. Yes. So they fall demise. They make camp. And Yennefer and Yeralt get better acquainted. No, so but we've learned that they've been been acquainted. Now they're actually bonding. Yeah, I guess that's a yeah. I mean, yes, they get better acquainted. Well, they finally open up to each other. A little bit. I mean, you get the moment where you find where you know you're all tells her, you know, they're basically the, what they are is what makes them both sterile, and there's reasons for it because it's not a life that a child should leave. But then he lets her know about his child of surprise. Yeah, and the line of I talk I more <laughs> around you, I say more around you in five minutes than I do in five days. In five days, and I really regret it. I'm like, dude, same. Yep. <laughs> Big mood right there, Geralt. My man, him and I apparently have the same emotional capacity, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but yes, that is exactly that conversation is interesting with those two because it helps them after that incident where everyone dies. Well, where those three die. To get better acquainted. And the next morning comes and they had a conversation about, you know, the last time when she woke up and he was gone, and this time he was there. That was sweet, actually. And he was awake, too. He could have very well, like, got up, got up, because there was things that had to happen. But he knew that she needed him there when she first woke up to know that he wasn't going to just leave because he left. Yeah. They have moments, and they fight well together. You fight well I really want her jacket too, by the way. Yeah, that was yeah. actually I, I I saw that. It was a nice jacket. 
It's so pretty. With like the nice big puffery sleeves and the huge fur collar. And as long as it's vegan fur, like I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing I want to talk about, you know, they wake up in the morning like, where are the dwarves? Oh, no. And they run and go get the, you know, she freezes the dwarves. They run to the dragon and Yennefer realizes kind of, kind of Yennefer realizes what's going on. Essentially, when Taya and Vea show up, she realizes what's going on, kind of. I like that scene. I do like when she runs up there, sees the dragon dead with the egg. Taya and Vea come, you know, they're about to fight. Geralt comes and stops them, and down comes the gold dragon, the rarest of them all. Or better known Ooh, as... Shiny. <laughs> better known as Borsh of Borsh Three Jack Draws. Of course, a dragon would come up with a name like that, Jesus. And they protect the precious egg. Must protect. All while well, Gastier I sleeps through it all. Because, as a bard, that's what you do. I mean, since apparently he's a bard that does like using his slots, he, it's best he just set this one out. What is he going to do around fucking dragon? Except for, like, I mean, he's probably only do on the like background music. He might not even have spell slots. He would have used a spell slot by now if he had. So I guess I'm a better bard than Jeskier. Just saying. Yeah, but I think he's better musically. That's fine. We all have our strengths, our weaknesses. He could be better musically, but I'm better with seduction and also casting spells as a bard. At the end of the day, I'll take my L. I'll, I'll let him take the L. I'll take the W. I don't know. I might want. I might say you might want him take the W, so you could take the L. I don't know if you need that art of seduction. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. But so you get a nice moment where they're fighting, and Jennifer and Geralt fight fighting together. That's really cool to see. They basically yeah, save each other's chemistry. asses. They save each other's asses, have conversations with the gold dragon. The dwarfs show up, and he gives them teeth. Says the dragon carcass can be dropped in a week if no questions are asked. Because the dwarves were the best. So they yeah, get best to win. Boys. They do. They're pieces of shit. They were just rowdy. Like, they had to be a little extra just so that way they could... I, like, I understand. They were just being dwarves. Yeah, the dwarves were just being dwarves. So, then you get the good, good tension in this episode here. One, Geralt and Yennefer kind of, they argue because she finds out, in a sense, that his wish, his last wish, the genie saved her life. But we don't really know what that wish is yet. I think I do. I, I'm fairly confident that he would, that he wouldn't lose her, and that's why yeah. that's why she made the comment of why is it the first witcher I come across I can't seem to get rid of? It's because he wished to not lose her, so fate continues to weave them together because that's what he wished for. And when she storms off, saying like we won't know that it's real, and then he's like, it is real, and. 
she has a fair point. You don't know that something like that is real because but, it's been it's wished. I mean, perhaps, or you know, it saved her life. Maybe it, I. And that's the thing we don't actually know what it is. I put I put cash money down on him not losing her. Perhaps. I don't know. That's, that's either way, she storms off and says that he already has because the the dragon says he'd save them time that she will never get her womb and he will lose her. Yep. It's sad. It's like, no, you can't give us like this like satisfying love. Because we finally basically got their the fruition of their relationship. Of, I give you, I want you. You're important to me. In that episode, yes. it was a very emotionally like high, and then to have it like, all crash down. It's like yes, they're together, and like and they work well together, and they fight well together, and then she's just like, all right, I'm out. Fuck you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we just got this. And then he explodes it. Yes, Kira blames him for everything. My poor baby boy. My poor baby Jaskier. He just he just woke up and just showed up. And Geralt's just like yelling at him. You're, this is all your fault. And anytime my life is shit, you're the one. The shovel. And I'm like, yo, I need to use that. But poor Jaskier. And he got so sad and he leaves him. Yeah. He didn't really have a choice. He has to leave him. You're all angry. He'll be back. Of course he'll be back. That's Bard Boy. Even if he doesn't know how to bard properly. And that's The Witcher. That is. That was episode six. That was a overall solid. I actually really, really, really like this episode, but I also really, 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 really like Dragon. Yeah, so you have a little bit of a bias. No, I think I think the episode of this one did a lot of like Cementing a lot of storylines between Yennefer and Geralt, and seeing a different type of dynamic, seeing the heist thing, having uh, having dragons before basically the end is also nifty. I, I won't talk about I won't talk about the p word, but I think that was done very well this episode. <laughs> We'll save that for the eventual review in like three weeks. Right. So there's only two episodes left, so it's a coming. Oh Lord, it's a coming. But for this particular episode, it was done very well. I, I felt very satisfied watching the entire thing. And there wasn't a lot that me wanted or where I felt like I got a bunch of useless information. It was a good balance. Right. There's been some episodes that I'd say overall, so far, with two episodes left, the show has been overall pretty good with the P-word. Compared to a show we recently finished, at least. You're right, though. Um, but it's got some issues at times, too. But we'll talk about that during a review in, two, in about two, three weeks. Until then, thing in tears. <laughs>